This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens Chapter 37 Mr. Bumble sat in a workhouse parlor, with his eyes moodily fixed on the cheerless grate, whence, as it was summer-time, no brighter gleam proceeded than the reflection of certain sickly rays of sun which were sent back from its cold and shining surface. A paper fly-cage dangled from the ceiling, to which he occasionally raised his eyes in gloomy thought, and, as the heedless insects hovered round the gaudy network, Mr. Bumble would heave a deep sigh, while a more gloomy shadow overspread his countenance. Mr. Bumble was meditating. It might be that the insects brought to mind some painful passage in his own past life. Nor was Mr. Bumble's gloom the only thing calculated to awaken a pleasing melancholy in the bosom of a spectator. There were not wanting other appearances, and those closely connected with his own person, which announced that a great change had taken place in the position of his affairs. The laced coat and the cocked hat. Where were they? He still wore knee-breeches and dark cotton stockings on his nether limbs, but they were not the breeches. The coat was wide-skirted, and in that respect like the coat, but oh how different! The mighty cocked hat was replaced by a modest round one. Mr. Bumble was no longer a beetle. There are some promotions in life which, independent of the more substantial rewards they offer, require peculiar value and dignity from the coats and waistcoats connected with them. A field marshal has his uniform, a bishop his silk apron, a counsellor his silk gown, a beetle his cocked hat. Strip the bishop of his apron, or the beetle of his hat and lace. What are they? Men, mere men. Dignity, and even holiness too sometimes, are more questions of coat and waistcoat than some people imagine. Mr. Bumble had married Mrs. Corney, and was master of the workhouse. Another beetle had come into power. On him the cocked hat, gold-laced coat, and staff had all three descended. "'And to-morrow two months it was done,' said Mr. Bumble with a sigh. "'It seems a age.' Mr. Bumble might have meant that he had concentrated a whole existence of happiness into the short space of eight weeks, but the sigh. There was a vast deal of meaning in the sigh. "'I sold myself,' said Mr. Bumble, pursuing the same train of reflection, "'for six teaspoons, a pair of sugar-tongs, and a milk-pot, with a small quantity of second-hand furniture, and twenty pound in money. I went very reasonable. Cheap. Dirt cheap.' "'Cheap!' cried a shrill voice in Mr. Bumble's ear. "'You would have been a dear at any price, and dear enough I paid for you, Lord above knows that.' 
Mr. Bumble turned and encountered the face of his interesting consort, who, imperfectly comprehending the few words she had overheard of his complaint, had hazarded the foregoing remark at a venture. "'Mrs. Bumble, ma'am,' said Mr. Bumble, with a sentimental sternness. "'Well!' cried the lady. "'Have the goodness to look at me,' said Mr. Bumble, fixing his eyes upon her. "'She stands such an eye as that.' said mr bumble to himself she can stand anything it is a eye i never knew to fail with paupers if it fails with her my power is gone whether an exceedingly small expansion of eye be sufficient to quell paupers who being lightly fed are in no very high condition or whether the late mrs corney was particularly proof against eagle glances are matters of opinion the matter of fact is that the matron was in no way overpowered by mr bumble's scowl but on the contrary treated it with a great disdain and even raised a laugh threat which sounded as though it were genuine on hearing this most unexpected sound mr bumble looked first incredulous and afterwards amazed he then relapsed into his former state nor did he rouse himself until his attention was again awakened by the voice of his partner are you going to sit snoring there all day inquired mrs bumble i'm going to sit here as long as i think proper ma'am rejoined mr bumble and although i was not snoring i shall snore gape sneeze laugh or cry as the humour strikes me such being my prerogative your prerogative sneered mrs bumble with ineffable contempt i said the word ma'am said mr bumble the prerogative of a man is to command and what's the prerogative of a woman in the name of goodness cried the relict of mrs corney deceased to obey ma'am thundered mr bumble your late unfortunate husband should have taught it to you and then perhaps he might have been alive now i wish he was poor man mrs bumble seeing at a glance that the decisive moment had now arrived and that a blow struck for the mastership on one side or other must be necessarily be final and conclusive no sooner heard this allusion to the dead and gone than she dropped into a chair and with a loud scream that mr bumble was a hard-hearted brute fell into a paroxysm of tears but tears were not the things to find their way to mr bumble's soul his heart was waterproof like washable beaver hats that improve with rain his nerves were rendered stouter and more vigorous by showers of tears which brought tokens of weakness and so far tacit emissions of his own power pleased and exalted him he eyed his good lady with looks of great satisfaction and begged in an encouraging manner that she should cry her hardest the exercise being looked upon by the faculty is strongly conductive to health it opens the lungs washes the countenance exercises the eyes and softens the temper said mr bumble so cry away as he discharged himself from this pleasantry mr bumble took his hat from a peg and putting it on rather rakishly on one side as a man might who felt he had asserted his superiority in a becoming manner thrust his hands into his pockets and sauntered towards the door with much ease and wagginess depicted in his whole appearance 
now mrs corney that was had tried with tears because they were less troublesome than a manual assault but she was quite prepared to make trial of the latter mode of proceeding as mr bumble was not long in discovering the first proof he experienced of the fact was conveyed in a hollow sound immediately succeeded by a sudden flying off of his hat to the opposite end of the room this preliminary proceeding laying bare his head the expert lady clasping him tightly round the throat with one hand inflicted a shower of blows dealt with singular vigour and dexterity upon it with the other this done she created a little variety by scratching his face and tearing his hair and having by this time inflicted as much punishment as she deemed necessary for the offence she pushed him over a chair which was luckily well situated for the purpose and defied him to talk about his prerogative again if he dared get up said mrs bumble in a voice of command and take yourself away from here unless you want me to do something desperate mr bumble rose with a very rueful countenance wondering what something desperate might be picking up his hat he looked towards the door are you going demanded mrs bumble certainly my dear certainly rejoined mr bumble making a quicker motion towards the door i didn't intend to i'm going my dear you are so very violent that really i at this instant mrs bumble stepped hastily forward to replace the carpet which had been kicked up in the scuffle mr bumble immediately darted out of the room without bestowing another thought on his unfinished sentence leaving the late mrs corney in full possession of the field mr bumble was fairly taken by surprise and fairly beaten he had a decided propensity for bullying derived no inconsiderable pleasure from the exercise of petty cruelty and consequently was it is needless to say a coward this is by no means a disparagement to his character for many official personages who are held in high respect and admiration are the victims of similar infirmities this remark is made indeed rather in his favour than otherwise and with the view of impressing the reader with a just sense of his qualifications for office but the measure of his degradation was not yet full after making a tour of the house and thinking for the first time that the poor laws really were too hard on people and that men who ran away from their wives leaving them chargeable to the parish ought in justice to be visited with no punishment at all but rather rewarded as meritorious individuals who had suffered much mr bumble came to a room where some of the female paupers were usually employed in washing the parish linen when the sound of voices in conversation now proceeded <laughs> said mr bumble summoning up all of his native dignity these women at least shall continue to respect the prerogative hello hello there what do you mean by this noise you hussies with these words mr bumble opened the door and walked in with a very fierce and angry manner which was at once exchanged for a most humiliated and cowering air as his eyes unexpectedly rested on the form of his lady wife my dear said mr bumble i didn't know you were here didn't know i was here repeated mrs bumble what do you do here 
I thought they were talking rather too much to be doing their work properly, my dear, replied Mr. Bumble, glancing distractedly at a couple of old women at the wash-tub, who were comparing notes of admiration at the workhouse master's humility. You thought they were talking too much, said Mrs. Bumble. What business is it of yours? Why, my dear, urged Mr. Bumble submissively, what business is it of yours demanded mrs bumble again it's very true your matron here my dear submitted mr bumble but i thought you mightn't be in the way just then i'll tell you what mr bumble returned his lady we don't want any of your interference you're a great deal too fond of poking your nose into things that don't concern you making everybody in the house laugh the moment your back is turned and making yourself look like a fool every hour of the day be off come mr bumble seeing with excruciating feelings the delight of the two old paupers who were tittering together most rapturously hesitated for an instant mrs bumble whose patience brooked no delay caught up a bowl of soap suds and monitoring him towards the door ordered him instantly to depart on pain of receiving the contents upon his portly person what could mr bumble do he looked dejectedly round and slunk away as he reached the door the titterings of the paupers broke into a shrill chuckle of irrepressible delight it wanted but this he was degraded in their eyes he had lost caste and station before the very paupers he had fallen from all the height and pomp of beetleship to the lowest depth of the most snubbed henpeckery all in two months said mr bumble filled with dismal thoughts two months no more than two months ago i was not only my master but everyone else's so far as the parochial workhouse was concerned and now it was too much mr bumble boxed the ears of the boy who opened the gate for him for he had reached the portal of his reverie and walked distractedly into the street he walked up one street and down another until exercise had abated the first passion of his grief and then the revulsion of feeling made him thirsty he passed a great many public houses, but at length paused before one in a byway, whose parlor, as he gathered from a hasty peep over the blinds, was deserted save by one solitary customer. It began to rain heavily at the moment. This determined him. Mr. Bumble stepped in, and ordering something to drink, as he passed the bar, entered the apartment into which he had looked from the street. The man who was seated there was tall and dark, and wore a large cloak. He had the air of a stranger, and seemed, by a certain haggardness in his look, as well as by the dusty soils in his dress, to have travelled some distance. He eyed Bumble askance as he entered, but scarcely deigned to nod his head in acknowledgment of his salutation. Mr. Bumble had quite dignity enough for two, supposing even that the stranger had been more familiar, so he drank his gin and water in silence, and read the paper with a great show of pomp and circumstance. It so happened, however, as it will happen very often when men fall into company under such circumstances, that Mr. Bumble felt every now and then a powerful inducement 
which he could not resist to steal a look at the stranger, and that whenever he did so he withdrew his eyes in some confusion to find that the stranger was at that moment stealing a look at him. Mr. Bumble's awkwardness was enhanced by the very remarkable expression of the stranger's eye, which was keen and bright, but shadowed by a scowl of distrust and suspicion unlike anything he had ever observed before, and repulsive to behold. When they had encountered each other's glance several times in this way, the stranger, in a harsh, deep voice, broke silence. "'Were you looking for me?' he said. "'When you peered in at the window? Not that I am aware of, unless you're Mr—' Here Mr. Bumble stopped short, for he was curious to know the stranger's name, and thought, in his impatience, he might supply the blank. "'I see you are not.' said the stranger, an expression of quiet sarcasm playing about his mouth. "'Or oh, you would have known my name. You don't know it? I would recommend you not ask for it.' "'I mean no harm, young man,' observed Mr. Bumble majestically. "'And have done none,' said the stranger. Another silence succeeded this short dialogue, which was again broken by the stranger. "'I have seen you before, I think.' said he you were differently dressed at the time and i only passed you in the street but i should know you again you were beetle here once were you not i was said mr bumble in some surprise parochial beetle just so rejoined the other nodding his head it was in that character i saw you would you now master of the workhouse rejoined Mr. Bumble slowly and impressively, to check any undue familiarity this stranger might otherwise assume. Master of the workhouse, young man! You have the same eye to your own interest that you always had. I doubt not, resumed the stranger, looking keenly into Mr. Bumble's eyes, as he raised them in astonishment at the question. Don't scruple to answer freely, man. I know you pretty well, you see. I suppose a married man, replied Mr. Bumble, shading his eyes with his hand, and surveying the stranger from head to foot, in evident perplexity, is not more adverse to turning an honest penny when he can than a single one. Parochial officers are not so well paid that they can afford to refuse any little extra fee when it comes to them in a civil and proper manner. The stranger smiled and nodded his head again, as much to say he had not mistaken his man, then rang the bell. "'Fill this glass again,' he said, handing Mr. Bumble's empty tumbler to the landlord. "'Let it be strong and hot. You like it so, I suppose?' "'Not too strong,' replied Mr. Bumble with a delicate cough. "'You understand what that means, landlord?' said the stranger dryly. The host smiled, disappeared, and shortly afterwards returned with a steaming jorum, of which the first gulp brought the water into Mr. Bumble's eyes. "'Now listen to me,' said the stranger, after closing the door and window. "'I came down to this place to-day to find you out, 
and by one of those chances which the devil throws in the way of his friends sometimes you walked into the very room i was sitting in while you were uppermost in my mind i want something from you i don't ask you to give it for nothing slight as it is put up that to begin with as he spoke he pushed a couple of sovereigns across the table to his companion carefully as though unwilling that the chinking of money should be heard without when mr bumble had scrupulously examined the coins to see that they were genuine and had put them up with much satisfaction in his waistcoat pocket he went on carry your memory back let me see twelve years last winter it's a long time said mr bumble very good i've done it the scene the workhouse good and the time night yes and the place the crazy hole wherever it was in which miserable drabs brought forth the life and health so often denied to themselves gave birth to puling children for the parish to rear and hid their shame wrought em in the grave the lying-in room i suppose said mr bumble not quite following the stranger's excited description yes said the stranger a boy was in there a many boys observed mr bumble shaking his head despondingly a million on the young devils cried the stranger i speak of one a meek-looking pale-faced boy who was apprenticed down here to a coffin-maker i wish he had made his coffin and screwed his body in it and who afterwards ran away to london as it was supposed why you mean oliver young twist said mr bumble i remember him of course there wasn't an obstinate uh, young rascal it's not of him i want to hear it's enough of him said the stranger stopping mr bumble in the outset of a tirade on the subject of poor oliver's vices it's of a woman the hag that nursed his mother where is she where is she said mr bumble whom the gin and water had rendered fastidious it would be hard to tell there's no midwifery there wherever place she's gone to so i suppose she's out of employment anyway what do you mean demanded the stranger sternly that she died last winter rejoined mr bumble the man looked fixedly at him when he had given this information and although he did not withdraw his eyes for some time afterwards his gaze gradually became vacant and abstracted and he seemed lost in thought for some time he appeared doubtful whether he ought to be relieved or disappointed by the intelligence but at length he breathed more freely and withdrawing his eyes observed that it was no great matter with that he rose as if to depart but mr bumble was cunning enough and he at once saw that an opportunity was opened for the lucrative disposal of some secret in the possession of his better half he well remembered the night of old sally's death which the occurrences of that day had given him good reason to recollect as the occasion on which he had proposed to mrs corney and although that lady had never confided to him the disclosure of which she had been the solitary witness 
he had heard enough to know that it related to something that had occurred in the old woman's attendance as workhouse nurse upon the young mother of oliver twist hastily calling the circumstance to mind he informed the stranger with an air of mystery that one woman had been closeted with the old harridan shortly before she died and that she could as he had reason to believe throw some light on the subject of his inquiry how can i find her said the stranger thrown off his guard and plainly showing that all of his fears whatever they were were aroused afresh by the intelligence only through me rejoined mr bumble when cried the stranger hastily to-morrow rejoined bumble at nine in the evening said the stranger producing a scrap of paper and writing down upon it an obscure address by the waterside in characters that betrayed his agitation at nine in the evening bring her to me there i needn't tell you to be secret it's your interest with these words he led the way to the door after stopping to pay for the liquor that had been drunk shortly remarking that their roads were different he departed without more ceremony than an emphatic repetition of the hour of appointment for the following night on glancing at the address the parochial functionary observed that it contained no name the stranger had not gone far so he made after him to ask it what do you want cried the man turning quickly round as bumble touched him on the arm following me only to ask a question said the other pointing to the scrap of paper what name am i to ask for monks rejoined the man and strode hastily away End of chapter 37